You're listening to the Resilience Factor podcast with Rod Price, podcast 003. What sets successful people apart from everyone else? Take a moment to think about the successful people you know. Was it their talent or skill that catapulted them to success? Were they born with the road of success already paid for them by family influence or affluence? Most likely the answer is no. It's more likely that these successful people have gone through difficulties and setbacks just like the rest of us. The main difference is that most of them have one common characteristic, and that's resilience, which is also called grit or hustle. Why is resilience important? The way we deal with challenges can determine our success. In life, we experience failures. We make errors in calculation and judgment and get the rug pulled out from under our feet as a consequence. Sometimes life throws curveballs at us that would make many of us never try to get up again. Being resilient means having the courage to bounce back and take risks despite adversity and setbacks. We keep getting up no matter how many times we get knocked down. That, my friends, is resilience. Resilience is the essential key to success and is embedded in many of the most successful people you know. What are the qualities of a resilient individual? Psychologists have determined common traits they possess. Some of the qualities are they're not paralyzed by obstacles life throws their way. They tend to look at setbacks and failures as learning opportunities to do better. They focus their energy more on things and situations that are within their control. And they're committed to the goals they set for themselves and the pursuit of their dreams. The famed Olympic gymnast Nadia Komnichi said, I don't run away from a challenge because I'm afraid. Instead, I run towards it because the only way to escape fear is to trample it beneath your foot. And that quote best describes my guest today, my friend, Jesse Peterson. Jesse's story is one of overcoming multiple challenges during her life, and instead of running away from them, she seems to have run full tilt, head on into each challenge, busting the gates wide open. If you have the opportunity to spend 30 minutes with Jesse, you'll find that she has a way of transferring her positive energy and confidence to you, and you walk away feeling like you just summited a mountain. So, welcome, Jesse, and you know, uh, we were just talking a little bit before about how we met, and that was at Mountain Gear one evening, I think it was. I was in there, you know, on my weekly trips in there, uh, talking and visiting, and and I, I noticed you were in there and you were picking out certain things. I could tell by the equipment you were picking out that uh, you're most likely a mountaineer and potentially maybe even in mountain school. And then I probably, I said, Oh, I think I said, yeah, are, are you in mountain school? And then we just start, we struck up a conversation about it. And, yeah. and that's, that's kind of how we met. Yeah. That, you know, I was in mountain school at that time and, and boy, talking about facing challenges. I had no idea what I was in for. <laughs> and I signed up in mountain school. Uh, and it's been, it's been an incredible journey. And um, I tell you, mountaineers are just really some of the best people I've ever known. I have to agree with that. I, um, I've just met some of the most amazing people. They've become very close friends of mine. Yeah. And uh, we we find out there's a lot beneath the surface of each of us when we're either going through that school together or we're trying to get up some mountain at yeah. the same time. So yeah, absolutely. You find out what you're made of sometimes and yeah. you find out what others are made of, which is usually better than I am. So, yeah. <laughs> so... You know, your your story and and people are going to hear it, but your story is so compelling to me because I just I, you know, obviously you'll talk about it. But um, you you part of part of your afflictions or your challenges is, you know, you've you've had some physical obstacles overcome. You've had some some mental, emotional obstacles overcome, but I think that that's what makes your story so compelling. So maybe just kind of give us a, a, a lead into, you know, I think it starts four years old, right? Yeah. And that's kind of where you met the first year challenges. So could just jump right into it if you yeah, would. Sure, sure. So this all begins when I was four years old and I was diagnosed with a rare form of childhood cancer called rhabdomyosarcoma. 
So what that looked like, to give you kind of a, a visual, it was a lump on the side of my nose. And my dad called it like I was growing a third nose or whatever. So we go into the doctor. Um, we find out it's cancer with a 50% survival chance. So obviously my parents threw everything that we had at it. So um, we did chemotherapy and surgery and radiation. So the good news is that I have been in uh, remission ever since I was five. So all of that was great, it was successful, but what the radiation treatment in particular left for me was a rather pronounced scar, radiation scar on the right side of my face. So, so again, for, you know, kind of a, a visual, you know, since we're over the radio here, is it kind of goes from right in the center of my face, right, kind of in the middle of my nose, underneath my eye and clear across kind of to the side. So what we realized as I got older was the radiation paused the development of my face. So my, my nose, one half of it stayed, you know, as a four-year-old, my teeth were frozen in development. So as I got older, we realized that we were going to have this complication from the radiation treatment that was going to require quite a few surgeries, reconstructive surgeries. And so um, as time went on, I ended up, you know, having quite a few different reconstructive surgeries. And I'll get into one of them that, you know, was very impactful for me later on. But we ended up needing to do, um, you know, we ended up having to reconstruct my nose and we had to kind of break my jaw and move it out. We needed to take out all those teeth and kind of create a bridge. And so it's been definitely a long road and a lot of surgeries for me. Take me back to your childhood. So after after this, you found out that the, the your parents found out that the growth um, of your, your facial bones and stuff had stopped. Right. So you, they found, they knew that immediately after. Yeah. That's Mm -hmm. actually one of the cool parts of the stories. My, my parents were very neat. They were very cool about this and Mm -hmm. I'm super appreciative. I could have had so much more problems, but they just faced it head on and they sat me down and they said, Hey, you know, you're sick, but it's okay. We're going to get through this together. We're just one step at a time and you can do anything anyone else can. Nice. Yeah. So Um, They knew while they were doing the radiation, I have all the medical records. And they said that, you know, this four-year-old child is going to need extensive reconstructive surgery as she gets older. Wow. So we knew it would have an impact, but we weren't sure how much. So so after the radiation treatment, after all of that, um, how how did they treat you? Did they treat you differently? I I get this funny feeling they didn't coddle you. They didn't, they didn't, they, I just get this funny feeling you were just like, okay, keep going now. Yeah. I really appreciate that about my parents. I don't remember them. Um, I did, you know, they, we were trying to make sure I didn't have any kind of relapses of cancer. So like medically we paid attention, but as far as what I could do, I was always in like baseball or, you know, volleyball or whatever. I was always really active Um, and they just treated me like everyone else. And, um, it was really wonderful. Even teachers in school were really great about it. Kids were great about it. So I never really got, you know, treated as any different as a kid. And you, you're from Montana and where at now? From Missoula. Missoula, Montana, uh, born and raised. More or less. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So Montana girl, that explains a lot. Yep. Um, so as you're going through school, you said you said your 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 friends were understanding, your teachers were understanding. But did you did you did you experience um, any you know any issues with you know from people who didn't understand what was going on? Did you did you ever have to deal with that? Uh, so mostly, um, what I had to deal with, and it's something I kind of you know still kind of am working on, is people don't want to ask. Cause they're right. so polite and they don't yeah. want to say anything. And so obviously when you meet me, the first thing you notice is my scar. There's sure. like no hiding it. Makeup helps a bit, but there's just no covering right. this thing up. So people meet me, they're curious. They don't want to ask. And then after like 10 minutes, I think kind of who I am and my personality kind of takes it over. And then they don't notice it anymore is what I've heard. Well, I was the same way. Right. So I meet you in the store um, that's the first thing I noticed, but I actually, the first thing I noticed was the equipment you were picking out really, <laughs> but, but then we start talking and then you immediately forget about it. And yeah. I, and I have to say that when we were, we were visiting, um, when I'm talking with you, I, I, somebody asked me and I was telling them your story and I said, here's what I, the feeling I get is when I'm with her, it's like, she's oblivious to that. And, and you just, I mean, she's just 
there's it's like she doesn't even know and she acts like that and she she operates in her world like that with such extreme confidence and 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 energy it's just so so i believe once you get past that with you with you know you you explaining what it is then then it's like yeah, I forget about it, right? So it's, right. it's kind of the same thing. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of a neat little coping mechanism that I've developed. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I, I do forget that it's there because it just is, right? And there's right. there's nothing that I can do about it. So um, anyway, so one thing I've been dealing with is how to discuss it with people. Sure. So for example, when I speak in front of a crowd, I'll just bring it up immediately Yeah. because you kind of have the attention. And if I don't bring it up, people will spend the whole time like, did it hurt? Was it a fire? What happened? Right. And if I can just, by the way, I had cancer when I was four and I have nothing about it. If you have questions, let me know. And then nice. it's gone. Yeah. Um, but when you're meeting people like one-on-one, like I'm a real estate agent. Yeah. So when you meet a client, I don't want to, first of all, like, hi, I'm Jesse. I had cancer. Like that's weird. <laughs> right. Yeah. So yeah. I'm still working on at what point is it appropriate in one-on-one conversations to bring it up? Yeah. It's actually partially why I ended up kind of sharing the whole story on Facebook because it seemed like a really great wide medium to share what's going on so that people could kind of know what that is and not feel weird about it. Well, and you just seems to me you just entered into this whole new world of relationships with the Mountaineers and the, and all the, all these new people, you know, and, yeah. and, um, that's a, in that community, and I, I love the Mountaineer community. Just yeah. absolutely love the Mountaineer community. That's probably, you know, you shared it. And and then, of course, then I was really, really wanted to visit with you and, and know more. But, yeah, I think that's a great way to do it. Tell, you know, so so you're growing up, you get yeah. into high school, things like that. Tell us more yeah. about, you know, your, your story. Yeah. So um, I wanted to touch back on, you know, what are some impacts that I had? Um, so there were, you know... That was one impact. And another one for me was I never really did the girly thing because, you know, like when I was little, I just made up like I'm never going to look like any of the girls anyway. <laughs> and if I like my eye waters, so mm-hmm. I'll put on makeup and then my eye waters and it goes away. And, oh, you mm-hmm. know, so, you know, when I was young, I decided, like, forget that. I'm just not going to bother, yeah. um, which I've been working on. It's it's a work in progress. But, yeah. uh, you know, and the other impact was I really didn't think anyone like any man relationship. I didn't think anyone would ever love me because of my scar. Sure. And so that was something I dealt with. Um, and I actually recently overcame that. And I have the most incredible relationship ever now. Um, and it took me really getting past like my value as a human being altogether, um, you know, doesn't have it doesn't have to be hinging on that. Yeah. So, so. congratulations, by the hey. way. So you were recently proposed to, yep, right? Yeah. Where did this proposal uh, happen? In Olympic National Park on top of Blue Glacier <laughs> right. at six in the morning. It was sunrise. I mean, it was just like we had failed the mountaineering objective, but it was still like the coolest proposal ever. Yeah, but that ever. is cool. Uh, yeah. He gets, he gets kudos for <laughs> the coolest proposal. Right. So yeah, absolutely. That's yeah. great. And then, um, so, so you had decided at an early age that, that you weren't going to do the girl thing, but did, did you start to change your mind as, as your life went on? Was it, or was, have you always kind of felt that way until just recently? Uh, I have kind of been working on that. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm also just kind of, I really enjoy kind of like physical challenges. So I've always been into hiking and and now mountaineering and stuff like that. So um, I don't think I'm really ever going to be a girly type, but I am trying to like, <laughs> like I can yeah. curl my hair now and <laughs> like yeah. I wear dresses and, anyway, yeah, but, sure. um, that's been an area I've had to overcome. And I think, you know, possibly largely as a result of the cancer, like that's one of the impacts that yeah. I've just, you know, one of the ways that something happens and it shapes you forever. Sure. That's just one of those things. You seem to have had a lot of defining moments in your life, yeah. right? Those those moments where you had to make a decision of one direction or the other. Yeah. And you and you've, you know, again, as I said, you you seem to run head on into whatever it is your whatever's facing you and instead of instead of running away or going around it, you seem to just kind of head straight into yeah. it. So so when did you when did you move to Spokane then? So I moved to Spokane a couple of years ago mm-hmm. um, and I, and it's kind of a, it's a cool story that starts back with this surgery that went poorly that we'll talk about. And it kind yeah. of, um, and then, you know, I've been doing a lot of work kind of since that time and mm-hmm. it kind of culminated with a point where I was in a marriage that wasn't working 
in Montana. Mm -hmm. And, you know, because I had a limiting belief, right. And it just led me into a relationship that wasn't working. And so, um, I created, you know, just having an amicable divorce. So we, we still talk, we're absolutely fine, but we just kind of went our own ways. It's great. And I went on a three month solo backpacking adventure. Where? I've never done that. Oh, it was was me and my Prius (laughs) (laughs) all my backpacking gear. And I went to Banff and Olympic National Park and down to Yosemite and over to Grand Canyon and Bryce and Death Valley and oh, just man. this huge, incredible All the great ones. Loop. I know. Wow. I just took the time to like drive and backpack in each one of them. It wow. was amazing. Tell me about that experience. Um, that was... Um, I just love that I planned it enough that I hit all the best places. Um and then I also left it free enough that I never exactly knew where I was sleeping that night. Sure. And it was so great because I realized that I could sleep in the back of my car. So I could wake up in the morning at wherever. Yeah. And then drive through, you know, like the, you know, Redwood Forest, which yeah. was awesome. And then camp wherever worked. And then wake up and be surrounded by a herd of elk or whatever, you know. <laughs> right. And then get back up and, and then you could backpack in Sequoia National Park. Um, I climbed Half Dome in Yosemite, which oh, was man. amazing. And, yeah. and so it's just this like incredibly freeing, um, humbling, wonderful opportunity. It was a once in a lifetime trip. So what, what did your family think about when you announced you were taking off on this trip all by yourself? They were kind of like, get it. All right, good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They yeah. were super proud. Because yeah. um, I think, you know, when someone struggles with something and everyone else can see it, but they just can't. Yeah. Like everyone knew that I had a lowered um, view of myself when it comes to relationships because of my scar mm. and yeah. I didn't have to do that. Right. But you can't tell someone that. Right. So right. they kind of watched me struggle in this marriage that wasn't working. And so when it was like, OK, I'm done with this marriage, I'm going to go on this adventure and have a new life. I think they were kind of like, yes, go get it. You know, so. So you, you set out on your, on your own and was there any point in that trip that you, you sort of wondered, you know, what did I get myself into? What did I do? Or were there any challenges that, that, you you know, I mean, anything that kind of, any fear? No, it was, it was, people always ask me like, how was it to be alone? Was it scary? What about camping alone at night? And, And I was worried about that before I went. Sure. It's kind of like, you're always afraid of something until you do it. And then you're like actually not that bad. So, um, no, I, it was all wonderful. I didn't run into anything. Like I wish I wasn't doing this. It was all incredible. What was the best part of the trip for you? Uh, and it it can be something you did or be something you learned. It could be a feeling. I don't care. I'm just curious. I think for me, it was just embracing my love for adventure. Yeah. Um, and that I can have a life that's incredibly like I can pursue different challenges and I can reach for whatever it is that I want and I can get that. So that, that trip was the culmination of like six months of planning and saving and purchasing and learning. And, um, so kind of having that major win helped set up for me, like, okay, where do I want to go next financially and in a career and in, you know, physical fitness and, you know, all these areas of life. Was that the first time that you feel like you pushed yourself beyond your self limitations then, or were there times before that, that, that you sort of relied on to say, okay, I've been here before. I know, I know what this is. Um, that I kind of, so I'm going to dive into that surgery story. Please do. Um, yeah. Please that, do. It's because it was such a great, um, it ex- explains the answer to that question. Yeah. So, um, as I mentioned earlier, I had had, you know, a whole bunch of different reconstructive surgeries and I'm, to set the stage, I'm 23, 24, and I've had quite a few surgeries local in Missoula. A lot of them hadn't worked because they would try to do a fad injection in my face and it goes away and whatever. And mm-hmm. finally, these doctors said, you need to go to Mayo Clinic. Like you need to go to the best hospital and get the best team. And you need to have a whole comprehensive solution or this isn't going to work. Like your situation is too unique wow. for anyone else to handle. Wow. So I sent out like packets of medical information to all the best hospitals in the country to see who would snag this. And so Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota did. You set up a competition? (laughs) (laughs) I was like, pick the three best hospitals and like who wants to take this thing on? Yeah. So I ended up with a team and I don't remember all of the doctor's big fancy names, but 
I had a plastic surgeon and a maxillofacial surgeon, which is the guy that kind of worked with the bone. And then I had a guy that worked with teeth and a guy that creates fake teeth and whatever. There's yeah. just a whole big team. <laughs> and then we kind of created a comprehensive plan. And so that was a couple of years of just surgery after surgery. And I've always had this resilience because, you know, it was never the end of the surgery process. There's always something else. So it was just like, I knew I would go through pain and healing and recuperation. Right. So I, I did really well for most of those surgeries, like the, the one where they broke my jaw and moved it out. I wow. think it's called a Lafort. Um, that was extremely painful, but I also, the resilience held through yeah. that one. The one that had a huge impact was they were trying to reconstruct my nose Right. And it was supposed to be like a finicky eight hour long surgery, like complicated and obnoxious, but not dangerous. Right. So I went under um, anesthesia Monday morning and then I actually woke up on Friday. Oh, wow. So, you know, what had happened was the surgery had not gone as anticipated, long story short. Sure. And so they had to hold me under anesthesia for like five days. Well, they tried different things every day. Oh, like no. the poor surgeon spent like 12 hours on day one and eight hours on day two and, you know, et cetera. Wow. And so, you know, I come out day five and we'll just, you know, suffice it to say I had several um, impacts from, from that surgery. Um, none the least of which was that the, the number of chemicals they had to put me under to stay down for that long wow. had me hallucinating for days i couldn't multitask for weeks so that was probably the so this biggest. is this is after you woke up from the surgery yeah. you were hallucinating yeah. and still under yeah know. it was it was and i think that actually was the biggest impact of this whole thing um but i also had several other like just medical issues that needed managed for weeks and so i i also had a um, skin graft that they had done on my face right and so not only did I have this radiation scar, but I also had this like giant skin graft. And if sure. you know what those look like, they're disgusting while they're healing. Right. You, know, you, can, yeah. you can just Google it. Yeah. Right. So I get out of this surgery. I'm like hallucinating and not in a good state of mind. And I have this crazy skin graft on my face. Right. Um, and what really I remember the precise moment, the doctor said, you know, you're going to have to go home for two to three months while this heals. And then we can do more work, but you cannot go in the sun or in the water or raise your blood pressure. So you can't exercise, you know, like, like everything that made me who I was as a hiker and an outdoors oh, person, man. I couldn't do any of those coping mechanisms. Oh, And so that, that precise moment, I just like, I don't like broke isn't the right word. And I don't know if it's mental breakdown or what exactly you call that. Sure. But there was this like moment where I made this decision that I was damaged goods and um, something was wrong with me and I can't control my future. And I just started like wailing unabashedly in the hospital. Sure. And so anyway, so I come back to Missoula. I have lost the direction, like my direction in life where I'm going. And I don't think I control my future. And I proceed to go into um, quite a few different little like addictions and not one in particular, but just like pain meds. Well, I had access to them, right? you know, cigarettes, alcohol, et cetera, just kind of covering and masking that like huge anxiety, you know? Yeah. Because um, I was also dealing with like weeks of unable to fully function and wondering if I ever would be able to multitask sure. or function again. Um and so for a year, I actually spent a year in this stage where I, I lost the job that I had had at that time. Right. And so I just needed to find a, just a job because I didn't know what I was doing with my future, right? This whole sure. thing. So was this, so was this while you were still going through all of that stuff you were doing to yourself and, yeah. you know. Yeah, totally. So I was like functioning, right? Which a right. lot of people dealing with crisis are. You know, like I was right. definitely drinking and smoking and, you know, like as long as the doctors would give them to me, I was doing pain pills, you know, and you bet. Uh, all that. And I also had a job, but I would have panic attacks before each shift, you know, not every, but often. Right. What kind of job was it? Um, that so the job I had at the time of the surgery was actually working with um, in a group home. 
oh. with girls, wow. which was super rough because I had to go back and explain like this crazy giant thing on my oh, face yeah. to like group home girls. But um, after that, the new job that I picked up was actually at DirecTV. They oh, used to have mm-hmm. a, uh, it's now AT&T, but I actually loved that job. On a side note, they were super great to their people, DirecTV Good. was. But anyway, um, so I was functioning well enough, but I, I call it surviving, you know, sure. like I made money and I paid bills. Right. And I was dealing with this massive emotional upset uh, that I just didn't know how to get over. Right. You know? So I yeah. had this whole year of my life where I just like stalled. Um, and I got out of that because my boyfriend at the time had lovingly suggested that I attend this thing called the Landmark Forum. And he kind of sat down and was like, here's the computer and the website. And I know you have the money and it's next month in Seattle you should just register. Wow. <laughs> and so um, I've always been interested in personal and professional development. So I was like, sure, sounds like a good idea. Um, and it was just the perfect thing at the perfect time. So so what was it? What is Landmark? What is that? Yeah, what is Landmark Forum? So it's um, an experiential personal and professional development seminar, I guess you'd call it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's three and a half days long. And they don't teach you skills more like they teach you how to um, kind of examine your own beliefs and create a new future for yourself. Oh, wow. So it was just perfect timing for me because I'd finally gotten ready to let go of the trauma. Sure. And so when I got there, I worked with the forum leader who's like the main person who leads the gig. Right. And I got for myself that that surgery and everything I'd been through had nothing to do with what I was capable of in the future. Mm. that it wasn't actually still happening. I could like put it down and it could be a part of my past and I could create anything I wanted for my future. So at that, that's at that moment, then you had decided that you could leave the past as mm-hmm. the past, leave it behind you. Yeah. It's a part of you, yes, right? Correct. But now move on to your future. To you. the next. And yeah. And for the first time I could see like, I wasn't broken Right. And I, there wasn't anything wrong with me. I just like, I have a scar on my face and I had this surgery and I still have impacts from that surgery, but it doesn't limit. It just, just needs managed. Right. Is all. And so from that moment on, it was definitely a long, it's a long road up, right? Like (laughs) no one ever just like bam and they're everywhere they wanted to be. Yeah. Um, but I just like, I got to taper off the various drug things and I got, really into like, I just love podcasts and books and I surrounded myself with fantastic people. And I just like step after step after step year after year. I think that was six years ago. I took that forum Mm. and I'm still just like stepping up from there. Right. Yeah. Wow. So you make this change, you make this decision that you're going to start moving forward. So what happens after that? So Um, you you attend Landmark and then you 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 go back to Missoula or do you come to Spokane? Okay, you go I back do. to Missoula. Yeah, yeah. So, so I go back happens? to Missoula and one of the things that they focus on a lot in, in Landmark is integrity. So actually the first thing I did is I went back and I sat down with my boss whom I really loved and I said, you know, I haven't been trying as hard as I can be trying and I could definitely do better and I know that I have been late on a few occasions and I just like got really straight with my boss who loved me for that. Sure. You know, and then from there I started getting promotions Wow. And I started really earning more responsibility and more financial like wellness. And um, I started improving relationships with friends and family. And so that was just kind of the steady progression from there. Wow. It, it almost sounds a little bit like AA or something like that, where you, you know, you make amends, you're, you, yeah. you, you know, and I, and I, I'm not comparing it necessarily, but mm-hmm. I'm just saying it sounds like, it's, it's obviously was more than that, but that you put yourself on this, your own AA program, right? Mm-hmm. So you're out, you're being, you're, you're being honest, being honest with yourself, you're being real, you're, you're attacking your life now with, with a positive attitude, right? right. And I, I thought about that because, you know, obviously Landmark is not the solution for everyone, right? Like there isn't one. I actually, my best friend, um, found Tony Robbins and sure. she did a Tony Robbins, which was her gig. Right. You know, I, I know people who are deeply religious that find this through God, yes. you know, it get, there's so many different ways, but however it happens that we choose to live a powerful and thoughtful life is 
so really what I found. There's a pathway for each of us if we choose to take that path. Yeah. Right? Wow. Yeah. So you go back, move back to Missoula, you're doing that. Then yeah. what happens? So um, I, you know, I come to that point where I decide like I don't actually have to be living in Missoula and I take this adventure <laughs> and I land in Spokane where I take on the introduction leaders program through the same company. Oh. Um, so I land in this program and it's, it's, in, it's meant to have you bump up against everything that you bump up against in life that has you stopped, right? Like the whole thing is just meant to challenge you the whole seven month program. So I land in Spokane and I don't have a job yet or any money or any friends. And I, in this really intense leadership program, which was a lot there for a while, but um, had really incredible results. I found a job that I adore and I found my partner, Jason. He was in the same program, similar right. circumstances, actually. Yeah. Um, and that relationship has just been incredible. Um, and so that was kind of the transition to Spokane. And then from there, I've just found like mountaineering has been wonderful for the association and the people. Um, Spokane's just been great for that. I find that in the mountaineering community, um, you, you've used the term broken and not necessarily, but I think we're all broken at some point. We all right? have something. Yeah. yeah. And and I find that mountaineers, not and and again, I am one too. So I have a you know, I have a certain affection for them. But I <laughs> I find that that community is very honest about their brokenness. And I've met so many people who are very open about they're pretty open about their lives, their past, their current state. But that honesty is what is what has helped them move yeah. on right about yeah. you know if we're honest about our brokenness and we acknowledge it we're we're more able to find a pathway forward yeah is that have you found that part of your life to help you now in what you're doing yeah it, it's funny that you mentioned that because i always thought that my scar was actually a bit of a it was helpful Cause I can't cover it up. Like there's nothing I can do to make this thing invisible. Right. Yeah. And a lot of people, I mean, people struggle with like all manner of crazy, you know, like issues that people deal sure. with. And the fact that mine's just really up front just has me be a very straightforward and, and kind of blunt person. Um, which, you know, of course, like sometimes that's not an admirable trait, <laughs> but, um, I find that just facing things head on and being really straightforward has been really helpful. Okay, so how does your past impact your life now? Yeah. Great question. Um, because I mentioned that, you know, in the, in the forum, I, I realized that that surgery and what I'd made up about myself as far as like not being capable or not being in control, I could put that aside. There are certain things that happen to us that do actually change, you know, how we are moving forward. And for me, um, I think it's from being under for so long but I have this higher level of like jittery anxiety that I deal with. And so I've noticed that either I pay attention to that and I address it appropriately or I ignore it or I kind of go in like the negative coping mechanism way. And that's a really fast way to, for me to end up like drinking more than I should or smoking cigarettes again or just doing other like unhelpful, sure. you know, like I joke that. Um, on a bad day, you can see me like with a bottle or with a bottle of wine and then mac and cheese and like Janeway TV. <laughs> all, <laughs> so, your, all your various. Right. The various places. Yeah. yeah. Like that's how you know. Yeah. But um, so what you're saying is you're not healed 100%. I, and I think it'll always be that way. Like I'm always examining, like, is there something I can do that would repair that? And I just like for now, at least I've kind of decided that. I'm always going to be a little bit higher revving engine. Like I call that kind of high, high sensation seeking or just sure. like it's have excessive energy. And I, I think that's wow. a result of all of those chemicals and being under for that long. So how I deal with that is I realize that routine is very helpful and there are certain things like right now I get up at five in the morning, I do yoga and then I do like exercise. So right now I'm actually training for a marathon. Um, of course you are. I <laughs> always the next step. So, um, you know, mountaineering for example. And so I'm always like, I need, I've noticed I need exercise and challenge. And you, 
you just did a Tough Mudder. Is that what it I was? Did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we did the we did the the Spartan Sprint. Oh, Spartan Sprint. Yeah. Three miles, and then yeah. I also did the Tough Mudder. Wow. Um, on a side note, we're creating the twenty athletic events of twenty twenty. Really? <laughs> which is going to be three or four either full or half marathons, wow. and four mountain summits, and the Spartan Trifecta, Tough Mudder, Bloomsday. And some other things we're wow. not sure yet. <laughs> so, wow. Yeah, we've, um, you know, my, my partner, Jason, runs, he likes to run marathons. He wants to do Boston. And I'm not a natural runner, but I'm making progress. I hear you, sister. You I'm know, you, yeah. <laughs> and you, you say like you're not a runner until you're running like miles and you realize you can do it, right? I, I run because I have to. And I, <laughs> I, I try to run with my wife and I can't keep up with her. And so that, yeah. you know, it's just really tough. But yeah. so, yeah, that's a, that's a big one. And so, I, you know, you, you said something too, is I, I sometimes I, I look at it as everybody has an addiction or addictions yeah. and it's how it manifests itself. And sometimes we, sometimes it manifests itself in a very negative way, but, but if we can redirect those to, to positive addictions, right? Those things you're now, it seems to me you're addicted to, high energy athletics and, and yeah. things like that challenges. And also being a real yeah. estate agent has been great for that. Cause I it bet. allows me to like, if I can structure my life in a certain way to give myself maximum efficiency yeah. and I can really be present with people who I love and make a difference with them. And then I can have as much of that as I want. Cause it's not a 40 hour job. So I can right. do it for anyway. So real estate's been great for that. Um, high level of variance and athleticism has been great for that. Um, so if I, if I keep myself channeled this way, then I can have the positive challenge instead of dealing with like the negative side of that. Sure. Yeah. I totally get that. It's, I found myself very focused and addicted on just, you know, activities, right? So that I just keep my mind going, keep my body going. And I feel like that that's, that's my that's my coping mechanism for life in general, mm -hmm. right? And I think a lot of people find they find running yeah. as their thing or they find whatever it is, powerlifting. And and for you, it's like a multi multiple yeah. activities. But yeah. uh, what do you like most out of all that? I'm just curious. I like adventure. Yeah. I'm actually up for like any adventure. Uh, like tomorrow, like someone invited me to one of those um, escape rooms tomorrow. Oh, yeah. right. I'm like, excellent. I've never done that. That sounds oh. like fun. So um, I... I like routine in um, like like creating and sustaining habits that facilitate a great life. Um, and then I also just love the variety. Um, like I love reading different books and I love um, as many different kinds of experiences as I can have is where it's at for me. So does root. So you, you describe two things. You, you, you described routine and then you described uh, the non-routine, the, the stuff that just comes up and, yeah. And do you find that so the routine is is the the thing that helps you manage certain times or certain feelings where the routine is good for you, but then you use these other things, the the tough mutters, the races, yeah. the mountain climbing. That's your that's sort of your escape from the routine. Is that um for me all of that is um so I'm a fairly emotional person, which you, you described how I bring energy and light into a room, right? which has a dark side to it, right? Sure. And so for me, I'm very aware of how powerful I am. And like, it's like when I, when I have a dark cloud over my head, like nobody wants to see that. Like it's sure. not fun for me or for anyone else. And most importantly, like, I don't want like my parents and Jason, like the people closest to me, I don't want them dealing with that, you know? Um, cause you can hide that for a while, right. To the public, but the people in your home life are the ones who deal the most with that stuff. Sure. So for me, the habits and the adventure really keep me burning positive, you know? And so, right. and there are times of course, right? Like there's good times and bad times. And so for me, it's, it's a lot of management. Like when I'm feeling really negative, how can I manage that in such a way I'm not impacting other people and I'm minimizing any damage in my own life. So that when inevitably tomorrow or two days from now when I'm feeling better, I haven't like wrecked anything, <laughs> you right. know? Yeah. So um, the routine, um, that's how you, that's how I really accomplish goals, actually. Like when you just do the things you need to do consistently. Step by step. You achieve the goal. And that's how I have a freaking incredible life right now. Like, and that's how I'm setting up like an even more incredible life next year is the routine. And that enables me to do that. 
So I love it that you are raving about your incredible life. You said, I have such incredible life. And I, that attitude, see, that's the energy I was talking about before is that that's the energy I get from you when I'm with you or I talk to you. And I just think that that people respond to that. So I just, that that that's amazing. I want to take you to um, the mountain for just a minute. Yeah. You've been there. I've been there. And we're, we were chatting offline a little bit about, you know, the, the, the experience of climbing a mountain and how, how mountaineering, climbing a mountain is a lot like life, right? And so, you know, you, it's, it's, it's about the planning. It's about getting there and you spend all this time and energy getting there and getting to the top and then going back down. And, and anybody who's climbed a mountain knows what we're talking about here. But tell me how climbing a mountain and how it relates to your life. Yeah. So I started out with a passion for like backpacking and long distance backpacking because, you know, in life you just get hit with so many things, especially in our modern time. There's just like your phone is always exploding with notifications. There's 18 things you're supposed to do and constant barrage of stuff. And that <laughs> really is harmful for, for me for anxiety because there just gets to be too much going on. Sure. So I really loved backpacking because it's like, all about how can you most efficiently pack your stuff so you're not packing additional weight, but you're also efficiently have everything that you need so that you can be in completely gorgeous places and, you know, and being in a consistently challenging environment. And it's just you and your brain and the environment. And there's just something I loved about that. Like, oh, yeah. you know, on my three month adventure, it was so great to have like all of my food, everything I needed. I could just go adventure and it was simple, right? right? In that way. And then when you like in mountaineering, it's, it's also about like survival. So for me, combating anxiety is also about widening my like comfort zone. Sure. Right. Like you're either yeah. expanding or you're contracting. Yeah. So consistently expanding my comfort zone. Like when I've been on Mount Rainier, when it's like freezing cold and at the same time you're hot cause you're hiking up a mountain <laughs> and the sun's coming down, it's going to burn the inside of your nostrils. Like it's a crazy <laughs> environment. Yeah. I've experienced you know? all of that. <laughs> Like, why would you do that? Well, because when you're at home and you're flying with your boss and they have forgotten their ID and they might miss their flight, it's like, fuck, no, it's fine. Like, yeah. you know, like we'll get on the plane. And if we don't get on the plane, we'll hit the next plane. Like, it's fine. Right. right. Like, so it really enables me to hit the rest of my life with ease, ease, but just more confidence. Sure. Because I get the scale of like what, what matters? Like I've had to survive in hard environments and like, I like rock climbing cause you're just dealing with your fear all the time, you know? Right. Yeah. Like when you get to this hard hold and you're like, could fall if you do, but you know, if you fall, you're going to be fine. But you're still scared. And anyway, you, you had better forget about everything else that's on your mind and focus on those holds and, and your route because otherwise you're going to fall. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. You know? And, and so you have the safety of knowing if you fall, you're not going to die in that example. But facing your fear so consistently in, in a survival based context really helps me get like, if someone yells at me, it's fine. If I right. miss my goal, it's fine. Like, like, dude, I've been on Mount Rainier when it was, you know, 20 yeah. below the wind's blowing. I'm freezing. I'm hot. My nostrils are sunburnt <laughs> and my legs are burning and yeah. I'm puking, whatever it is. Yeah. Right. So don't. Yeah. 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 So it's, it just, it's really helpful for me <laughs> in like, I've become a very intentional person. Like I am very intentional with the podcasts and the books and my association. I'm extremely particular about who I, I spend time with um, so that I could continue to have like a better, go ahead. Let's stop right there. Yeah. Why, why you just said something really important that, that I think people need to explore a little bit more. Yeah. Is why your association with people, what is it about that? Yeah. That you, you brought that up. Yeah. So they say that, you know, you are uh, essentially a, a comp, you know, a, a compilation of the top five people in your life. Mm -hmm. And that goes for attitude and mindset and, um, you know, even income levels and all of that. Like you will become very much so the sum of the people that you're around. And sure. you'll hear this, you know, concept a ton in books and, and whatnot. But um, how you increase your level in life is you get around people who inspire you. And God, the mountaineers are so great for that. I mean, there's so many great circles where you meet people who are inspiring or uplifting or have done something you didn't think you could do. Um, and then when you meet people like that, they don't have time for like drama or wasting time and they don't really care about um, 
you know, things that are less important because they're focusing. Those of us who are addicted to adrenaline, right? <laughs> the, the, the mountaineer experience yeah. helps fulfill that, right? Yeah. And, and we're around those other people that are addicted to adrenaline because I think, again, that's, you know, part of the reason why we do that is you just said it. It's that whole idea that you're doing something dangerous. You're doing something risky. It's a calculated risk. Yeah. You plan for the risk. You, you train for the risk, but there's still a certain risk there. And that draws us to that. And I didn't mean to digress from your point, yeah. but I think that's important that we're, we're drawn to those type of people or those types of events that those people are at, right? Yeah. And when you have to operate at that level, you just don't have time for the <laughs> the things that can be stressful otherwise. That don't makes have sense. time for drama. <laughs> exactly. Like who's got time to gossip about anybody else when you can be having an incredible life? And, you know, I've got a friend right now who I just love, who's a dietitian and he, he ran a Boston marathon and he's just like the most positive, uplifting person ever. And I just sure. get around him and his wife and it's just like good times. And I just walk away feeling like I could do that. Like it's my association with people like that that have led me to think I could even run or train for a marathon. Like that's a crazy gig for me, you know? So that's why association is so important because you, you get to be around people who have done things you never thought you could. And they explain how. And you get energy from those people yeah. as well, right? Yeah. I, I my, one of my best friends and mentors uh, has, has said this and it's my mantra too, which is the more energy you give, mm -hmm. the more energy you'll get back in return. And I know that's, that's, you know, th there are other ways to say that, but I just, I really believe that. And I, and I think you are experiencing that as well. Yeah. And the more that you can increase your level of life satisfaction and performance, what's so important to you, the more you give that to other right. people. Right. And it's, it's really neat watching that happen, you know, cause over time, the more consistent you are in doing this, the more, you watch other people start to, it like starts to catch and it's unpredictable and it's not fast, but it just starts to happen. And all of a sudden people are like, you know, into, you know, whole, like they're getting fit for the first time in 20 years and right. like they're having breakthroughs in all sorts of things. And it's not because of you, but it's just like your influence just does cool things. That, yeah. That communicate. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, so getting back, let's get getting back to the question, which was how is, you know, how is climbing a mountain? Yes. I want to talk about mountaineering. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's just, but that's, you know, that's one of the, th that's where we were originally yeah, yeah. connected. Right. And, and we've experienced a lot of the same highs and the same lows of mountaineering. And how is that? So climbing, so, so you've, you've climbed Mount Rainier. So how is that like your life? Right. So, you know, you start. Like we said, you start at the bottom, you start the plan and you get there, you get to the trailhead, you're excited, there's all this energy, you're ready to go and you start hiking. And before you can even get to high camp, you're already tired, your legs are burning. But <laughs> you, 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 and I don't want to take away from your, from what you're going to say, but I just, you know, we were again talking about the climb up to the top, the time at the summit, the short time at the summit, yeah. and then going back down. So how is that? Compare that to your life. Um, gosh, there's so many good points in that. So first, that everything is temporary. Um, you know, and that, and that goes for the positives and the, you know, like in daily life, I have all these like, you know, as an agent, like, wow, I, you know, I had two deals go through today and that's really like a huge high and, you know, like that's really awesome. And then, you know, like tomorrow you're just like starting over. Again. You're unemployed again, right? You know, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Like. So, you know, in mountaineering, like, you know, Mount Rainier was this huge goal that I had set like nine months prior. And then you accomplish this thing. And like you said, I was at the top for like 15 minutes because it was incredibly cold and <laughs> dangerous and, you know, breathing is a thing up there. Yes. And so then, but then you're only like halfway there, right? Because then you have to get down the whole mountain when you have exhausted yourself. And so, um, you know, you kind of like putting that into like a life perspective, you have these periods of time where nothing in particular or special is happening. And then you have these moments with huge, tremendous, exciting wins and how not to overdo the wins. And then also how not to overdo the hard times too. Like on the way back down for a main year, like I was a mess. I had completely exhausted myself. And then I had 10,000 feet to descend <laughs> and I like everything hurt. And I was completely exhausted. I was like crying. Like it was this whole thing. But I, what I learned from that was like, even the bad times, you just have to like be with them. 
and eventually they will end. And you just like, all there is to do is get down the mountain. Like all there is to do is, is what you set out for the day. The worst part for me is, is the trail when you get back down the mountain, but you still have the miles of trail to get back to the car. Right. Yep. And you're and and the late, you know, when this year we were, we were, we didn't, we, we had an unsuccessful bid to the summit of Rainier, but we get back to, we were on the, the, coming down from Camp Sherman, you yeah. get back to the trail, the, the quote unquote, the trail where you get at, at the glacier basin. Yeah. And there's still about three and a quarter miles. Yeah. And you go, oh, it's only three and a quarter miles back to the car because coming in, it, it, it seemed to go like a flash. That first three miles was like nothing, right? Yeah. And it seemed like the three miles back to the car were more like 10 miles. Yeah. And, and again, I, the same thing, I'm sort of, I'm pushing through this thing because my backpack weighed more than it did going up. <laughs> and oh, my feet yeah. hurt, my shoulders hurt, everything hurt going back. And I was, of course I was disgruntled. I was really down about oh, yeah. not making the summit yet again. And um, it was, you know, again, I was ready. I was thinking, okay, I'm never coming back to this mountain again. Never, I'm just not doing that. This is This is stupid. I don't know why I keep trying to do this. Then we get back to the car. We sit in our chair, take off our boots. And I have crack open a beer and we get, I get some <laughs> sugar and some potato chips in me. And then me and my partners are already talking about the next trip. Okay. So next time we're, you know, so it seems to me, you know, you push through that, that really low point, that really tough time because you have to, right. Yeah. You have to push through because you got to get back to the car. Yeah. I'm not going to throw all my gear in the bushes. Like I swore <laughs> I would and walk out in bare feet, but mm -hmm. But you know you have to push through, and then something in it, you know, subconsciously, there's that part of your mind that's trying to just keep going. You'll you'll get to the car, you'll get to your destination, and it tomorrow won't be as bad as right now. So, mm -hmm. have you had those points in your life? It let's say in the last five years. Yeah. Okay, so now you the last five years. Yeah. What what moments have you experienced like that? Um, and how have you managed those? Gosh, yeah, that's so, because the, the biggest thing I learned from that surgery was that life isn't ever actually like over. Does that make sense? Like there's like, there's that low and, but there's always like something else to create. So, yeah. you know, when I got back with my three month adventure, I landed a little hard because I didn't totally plan for that. Right. <laughs> um, you know, so I was a little broken, had no friends and whatever. Uh, but I also knew after that experience that I could overcome anything. And it was just a matter of assessing the situation objectively and then figuring out what you're going to do next. So, um, I've had a few of those, uh, and but most importantly for me is just to remember, like, you know, go for the highs, train for them, do the hard work, experience those. And then also, you know, like there will also be lows and there will be boring times and there will be times that you feel like you're not accomplishing anything. You're not getting where you need to go or why isn't it coming fast enough? And all there is to do is to just like keep doing what you know you need to do. And eventually you'll get right to the top of that mountain again. You'll get that challenge again. Um, yeah, so that's. So it seems to me that a, you're goal driven. Very. You yeah. establish goals and you work very hard to accomplish those. Yeah. It seems to me that you probably don't achieve like all of us don't achieve every goal you set out, but you manage through that mm -hmm. and and keep setting goals and keep achieving things. And life also, is so much better. Life is mm -hmm. so much better having tried for those things, right? Like right. even if you don't accomplish the end goal, like wherever you end up is a heck of a lot better than where you started. Yeah. You know? So as long as you can find a worthy goal that you're passionate about, whatever that is, you know, whatever that is that makes you happy, you just like go after it, you're going to end up in a far better place. It also seems to me that you find energy in in various places, not just one spot. You find mm -hmm. positive energy from people, mm -hmm. from places, things, and it's not just one thing. You yeah. balance that out mm -hmm. in your life. Yeah. I'm working on that. Actually, my, my best friend has been such an inspiration. She's been really working on like stillness. And like meditation, contemplation, mm. like yoga, like slowing down. Cause as you can tell, I'm a fairly, fairly like, I don't sit still very well. Sure. Uh, but I've also been really working on, um, 
like I'm reading uh, Stillness is the Key right now by Ryan Holiday. Mm -hmm. Very helpful to realize, you know, not only being intentional with life, but also taking time to not do anything or not do anything quote unquote productive in order to just create that stillness, you know, that helps you find what it is that's a better life. Sure. And I've, I've heard the term mindfulness as well, you know, yeah. yoga and mindfulness and, and being very, you know, mindful yeah. of your life, of your surroundings. Um, so what's next for you? What's, what's going on now? You're, you're, it seems like you're very early on a pretty successful real estate person and, and you're living your life very large, as large as you can live it right now. Yeah. But what's next for you? I appreciate that question. So, um, and if you know, for next year in the physical realm, we're doing the 20 athletic events in 2020. Um, Jason and I have also been really aggressively paying off debt. So we're almost at the point where we're debt free in the next six months, we should be there. And then we can start going after um, some really great financial goals in the positive direction, which is going to be awesome. I always, so I just look at every area of life and kind of think, what's the next goal I'd like to appreciate, you know, get to in that area of my life. Yeah. Um, you know, so those are two I'm working on as a real estate agent. I just want to be the best agent I can be. So, um, you know, in, in that there is no more goal than just, you know, experiencing the adventure with people. Sure. You know, um, I also, Jason, I do want kids at some point, which is a terrifying, terrifying adventure, which is funny because I, like, anyway, so that's a whole gig. It's worth I think. all the pain and anguish, I promise. It's so yeah. worth it. And, yeah. like, no parent ever, you know, regretted that decision. And at the same time, I'm just terrified about that. <laughs> so, like, that'll happen probably in the next couple of years. Um, we're also working on a, um, like, three-month adventure honeymoon next winter. Nice. So we're looking at Southern Hemisphere because that's when um, real estate's slower. So we're going to head oh. down to, like, Patagonia. Oh. Um, they're going to do maybe some New Zealand. I had the wild thought yesterday Kilimanjaro could be fun, but that's, like, not even in the plan. We haven't figured that section out yet. Sure. But that's the next grand adventure, I think. What's your next big mountain? Uh. Or have you gotten that far yet? Well, okay. So next year we're going to do four summits. We've got Athabasca. Right. And then we've got, um, we're going to do, we're going to get married on Adams. Yeah. Because Jason's last name is Adams. And he thinks he's like. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Good uh, yeah. <laughs> And then um, we're going to do Baker as well. Um, That's and then a great Hood. One. Yeah. yeah. And so we can round out the Great Volcanoes. That's great. It'd be great if you, yeah, you, you. If you got married on Hood, it'd be a very small crowd with you up there. But yeah, yes. yeah. But uh, no, Hood's a great one. So yeah, um, and they're all all that all yeah. the volcanoes are awesome. Yeah. They really are. We live in an amazing place. So, we do. Yeah. yeah. So kind of finally, yeah. If you were if you were going to go back and give your your twenty year old or your eighteen year old self advice. What advice would you give yourself at the, you know, from this point? Gosh. <laughs> um, it's all just like a learning adventure and you don't learn these things until you've overcome them. You know, and none of it means anything until you've actually experienced it, right? Like I could have said, there will be hard times ahead and you won't know the path and it'll seem, you know, all so pointless, but you'll find your path or, you know, like all that. I don't, sure. I don't know if that would have made any sense. And in some ways that surgery was like such a risky situation. Cause my, oh, my yeah. mom, for example, didn't know if I was going to come out of that. Like you could have died. I mean, not only yeah. that, but afterwards, like the whole anxiety and, and partial drug addiction or whatever all that was like a lot yeah. of people never come out of that. And so my mom told me later, she's like, I honestly didn't know if you'd ever be the same, Oh wow! you know? And so, but having been through something that dramatic really enabled me to truly believe for myself that I can take whatever life throws at me. You just have to look at it. Um, but you can't advise that for people, you know? So I, I guess my only like feedback would be, you know, go and experience life to the fullest and just handle whatever it is that comes at you. Take the experience, embrace it. It's all experiential for me. The most important lessons, like I went to college and all that, but like the most important lessons <laughs> I ever learned were like, you know, experiencing and implementing what I'd learned. That's great. It's so. good advice for anybody, including me and and your 18-year-old <laughs> So, Well, this has certainly been enlightening and inspiring. And uh, I just, 
appreciate so much your willingness to share your life, your experiences, your ups, your downs, and just your honesty uh, with me and, and everybody yeah. who's listening. So um, I I can't wait to climb some mountains with you. We're yeah. obviously going to go do that. And I hope to be up there uh, sharing your uh, wedding experience Adams. on Adams. Yes. That would be fun. I'd like to be there. I'm not I'm not trying to put you on the Peter spot. Going. Publicly, Anyone who's crazy enough to hike yeah. up to like lunch counter is yeah, welcome. Is for welcome that. to go. <laughs> You'll probably have a few people up there, yeah. a few people just watching because they were there anyway. So yeah. But uh, again, thank you so much for your time. This has just been so great. And uh, I, I, I will be looking for big things from you. I know they're going to happen. And just keep inspiring. Thank you so much. You've been listening to The Resilience Factor with Rod Price.